This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, here we are inside the Ichiro Room in advance of Game 1 between the Mariners and the Blue Jays. Welcome back inside the Wheelhouse Podcast. And Jerry, uh, the way that this is going, uh, we are on average for Edwin Diaz winning reliever of the month roughly one out of every 10 episodes. Uh, he has won it again, Jerry, for the third time. I guess it's not that surprising, right? It's become a bit of a broken record, <laughs> but Eddie has had a phenomenal year. And in many ways, if I could count the MVPs of this team, Edwin is in, Edwin, Gene Segura, it's Mitch Haniger, it's the power of Nelson Cruz. I, in a very quiet way, it's the contributions of Nard Span since we picked him up since May. But there's been it's Marco Gonzalez and James Paxton, and, but no one has been steadier throughout than Edwin Diaz. He has been remarkable all season long, and and good for him that he's piling up some hardware. We're going to talk about that and a lot of other things, uh, notably the trade deadline that has come and gone. Remember, if you're not subscribing already, we hope you can do so. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Colin O'Keefe has put the wheelhouse there. There's no question about it. Did you happen to see, by the way, Jerry, the um, latest Wheels Up feature presented by Alaska Airlines where yours truly and Edwin Diaz, along with cameraman Colin O'Keefe, shot some hoops on the beach in Orange County? Uh, I got to say, O'Keefe can back me up here. Eddie's got a pretty smooth jumper. I mean, you think his slider's nice. You should see his mid-range game. I have not seen what? this. What? And I am, I, I'm, I'm all in. Can you please send me the footage? I, I'm, ordinarily, I'm watching the game live. I'm not, I'm not seeing the. We were, uh, Colin found a very nice beachside public basketball court. And when I say very nice, I mean, like, this is incredible. Like, if you airballed it, it would, the ball would go into the Pacific Ocean. I mean, it was beautiful. And uh, I didn't really know what... Eddie's background in basketball is. I don't know how big of a sport it was in Puerto Rico. He told me that boxing is one of the most popular sports outside of baseball in Puerto Rico. He did not box. You'll be happy to know. Uh, But Eddie, uh, Colin, what do you think? It was pretty smooth. Eddie's was pretty smooth, but I... Are you baiting me into try to talk about how good your jump shot no, was? No, that, that is not. No, I feel like you Colin, might be. I, how dare you? How, how, how dare you, sir? I would never do that. This was all about the all-star closer. And maybe a little about myself. <laughs> See, now, now I need to know. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Both both parties there were pretty good. Aaron's was good. A little bit of Steph Curry. Edwin's was also quite good. Uh, one of the Can you fact- give me a player comp for Edwin? Since we now have a player comp. I mean, I, there's... I'll t- for, I'll- forevermore, I'm going to look at Aaron and see <laughs> Steph Curry. <laughs> I mean, You want to be the first. Surprisingly, I'm going to go really deep here. Kind of similar build. I'm going to go way off... Tony Kukoc, a little bit, not as fluid as you might otherwise think, but a tall, slender jump shot. One of the more interesting things from that, though, was Edwin saying, you know who else was one of the better basketball players on the team? Try try to guess who one of the other best basketball players on the team was. Outside Outside of D. Gordon. Because D. Gordon will run circles around all of them. I said, outside of D, who's the second best basketball player on the team? Second best basketball player on the team. I would venture to guess. We're not really a basketball-y looking group. <laughs> uh, present-day Mariners, I'm betting on right. Cameron Mabin of the okay. long, right. slender, athletic look uh, as a basketballer. How about Marco? That's a great guess. Athletic fellow. Great guess. Uh, this happens to be the uh, Batman to Marco's Robin. Wade LeBlanc. Wade LeBlanc. Those two wow. are downstairs doing a Reddit AMA in half an hour, actually, together. But, yeah, Way LeBlanc, second-best basketball player on the team, according to Edwin Diaz. Wow. No, I got to say, I was so blown away by this. I ran into Wade walking around town in Anaheim days afterwards, and I really – the delivery on my part was terrible. I, it was basically like, Wade, where do you hear this? Unbelievable news. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
knocked me over with a feather news. And he just looked at me and said, yeah, no, come on. You're that surprised? <laughs> That's right. Uh, just, but yeah, it, apparently it Wade's got a pretty smooth stroke. Cool as the other side of the pillow. Yeah, Wave exactly. a blanc, roll out there. It's probably got a little Rick Barry to him. You know? I would say so. A little Steve Kerr action. Uh, so yeah, uh, Edwin, not too bad at all. And apparently Wade will have to see in person at some point. Maybe that'll be for our next Wheels Up at some point, O'Keefe. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, but back to the uh, news at hand. Diaz winning the Reliever of the Month for the third time, Jerry, which I know the Reliever of the Month award does not date back uh, nearly as long as the Player of the Month uh, or even maybe just Pitcher of the Month. Uh, but this has got to be almost unprecedented, right? I mean, you don't ever see this type of thing happen. Three times in one year? Yeah, just over and over. I think you'd probably, and I, I can't tell you the first time the Reliever of the Month was ever awarded, but I know it was it was being awarded at the tail end of my career. Was it really? Not that okay. I ever won one. I was too busy working on my jump shot. But, <laughs> uh the, the the Trevor Hoffman 1998 season, any number of years for Mariano Rivera, like those years you could envision maybe, you know, Frankie Rodriguez, sure. you could see one of those dynamic seasons resulting in three wins, you know, like an MVP bullpen year, Eric Gagne craziness. But for for one guy to win the award so many times over, it's it's a show of dominance. And I think that's the kind of year Eddie's had, frankly. He, he deserves that recognition. And my, ga- my guess is it's not the last bit of hardware he's going to be winning in, in 2018. Zach Britton from a couple of years ago. We'll have to look that up. That just came to mind when he yes. allowed like four runs all year. Yeah, I how thought many- you were going to go with four hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's- laughs> how, many, how many times he won that award? So uh, not, almost old news that Diaz wins that again. Well, Jerry, how much more relaxed are you? Now that the deadline has passed. I'm not relaxed at all because we're not <laughs> scoring runs. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm – <laughs> it was a chaotic, you know, stretch there, especially that last week. And and from Friday to, to Tuesday midday when the when the deadline came and passed, we were on the phone nonstop. I, I, my neighbors have probably gotten – used to the familiar sight of of me walking around with my earplugs in holding my cell phone walking the streets and and depending on the 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 nature of the the conversation i may also be carrying an adult beverage of some type of that vino around the neighborhood but uh very a lot of conversation so many deals that we discussed that didn't come to pass and obviously quite a few that did and and we feel like we were able to to improve our club fortify in areas, so to speak, not a lot of household names, but guys who are good players and really enhance the the functionality or even flexibility of how this 25-man roster can be used. Before we get into those players in particular, was this trade deadline, the overall landscape of it, was it similar to years past, different from years past? How was it in your eyes? I thought it was more active than than in years past, and that surprised me a little bit. I didn't think that would be the case. Not shockingly, there were a ton of relievers moved. That's what happens at the deadline. I, I thought there was, like usual, uh, a lot of chatter about maybe some bigger-named all-star type players who might be changing address, and it went nowhere. That seems to me to be more of a distraction than anything else. And and we we chose our targets, and we opted to, to focus on them. There Again, there were a lot of things we wanted to do that we were unable to push across, but... Uh, We've we did nothing but but come up with creative thought for weeks week over week trying to come up with ways to enhance our team while not blowing up our system because that was a priority for us was to to preserve the, our prospect system as best we could and continue to build for the future as well as as compete today. When you have the pressure of the deadline looming and you have roles and needs on your team that you need filled, how do you go about? making the baseball decisions with the how does this guy fit as a person inside this clubhouse, which has a very good thing going all season long. It really does, and, and, and that is huge for us. And we had some opportunities to acquire players that we thought maybe didn't fit in our clubhouse in that way. Uh, we, went, we, go, we go over the top sometimes in what I call character scouting, is checking in with people who contacts we have who know these people, who have existed in clubhouses with these people, and, and who understand the, the dynamic in our room. So you know, we, we do the best we can of coupling those. In this case, we, have, we acquired players like Zach Duke and Adam Warren and Cameron Mabin, Sam Tuiviala, who we knew a little bit less but it, it didn't take too much to figure out who among our people 
had come across Sam a lot of guys. quite a few. Uh, and and we we knew what we were getting right right on back to Alex Colomay and Denard Span who began this this track. We've added a lot of guys to this team, you know, since May, and and I think each one of them brings something unique that makes us better. And I trust each one of the people that we've added, and it, whether it be the work ethic, the professionalism, how they show up to do their job, and yeah, you know, I, I heard just rave reviews of of anything from the energy and quality of person you were getting in Cam Maben to the the steadiness of Zach Duke and understanding who he is. And I've been with Zach once before; we were together in 2011 in Arizona. So I had a while that be seven years ago. It's I still know the person. Person and how he'll react and and similar positive reviews Adam Warren I some over the top you know this is as good a guy as you're going to get right up to when we were executing the trade with uh with Brian Cashman he said hey, give me a minute on this one because this one's going to hit the clubhouse hard Adam Warren is, is extremely popular down there so uh, really well thought of guys who for a lot of reasons put themselves in position to help us and I'm glad they're here Anything entertaining or funny which can be shared from your deadline experiences? Were there any emojis sent to Cashman this time around? Was there a gift to uh, solidify the Warren deal? Oh, I, I had some emojis along the way. <laughs> you know, it's uh, th- that's definitely there were a lot of uh, you know the, the standards, the the happy face, the smiling face, the crying face. <laughs> uh, I've got the standard that I send out with uh, like the the. Uh, which is a gif of, uh, of, of a man pouring sweat. I think it's uh, I think it's the actor from Airplane, uh, which was you know as he's flying the plane, just pouring sweat uh, as it got closer and closer. Like, come on, let's get this one across. Couple of really funny ones that I'd prefer not to share online. That that's, would make me laugh hysterically if I even <laughs> spoke them out loud. But it's the camaraderie that you build with the other general managers or even the other guys in the in the league. You know, the, the combination of efforts from our front office guys, Jeff Kingston and Justin Hollander and Tom Allison. We had our own little war room set up for, for the better part of the last four or five days. And everything that was coming across our line, so to speak, we were able to cut up and some of which we left on the cutting room floor and some of which, you know, produce new guys in Mariners uniforms like you see now there is still trades that can be made the deadline at the end of the month of August if guys pass through waivers uh, knowing you I anticipate that you have not closed doors on the idea of making another move should that arise right <laughs> I, did I what, offend you right? did, I just offended you yeah I don't even I have, know what, what you're saying right is this now. podcast this is, canceled now? It, uh, I'm sorry of I'm course take, take a lap yeah, if if there are trades that can be done, <laughs> the Mariners are listening. We have done a number of of August deals from the time that I got here in 2015. Uh, Ben Gamble was an August acquisition. Uh, Mike Leak was an August acquisition last year. Yonder Alonso was an August acquisition. Uh, there have been quite a few, I'm so sorry. and it's there. There are nuances to to acquiring a player in August, but it can be done. And and if it can be done, then by golly, we are we are paying attention. All right, well, let's talk about some of these guys. Uh, Sam Tuivalala just recently made his Mariners debut here at Safeco Field. Throws hard, has had good track record, especially against right-handers. Uh, what is it in Tui that you like so much? Uh, his athleticism really piques our interest as much as anything. Uh, Tui's got a pretty fresh arm. He's He was a, an infielder converted to a pitcher. Uh, as a professional. So this is he's not had a great history or I guess a long track record of pitching until he entered professional baseball. Uh, the Cardinals transitioned him into a pitcher. He's got a gen, he's got a pretty good delivery. He has a very clean arm action. His velocity can be anywhere from let's call it 92 to 100 miles an hour. He averages somewhere in that 95, 96 range most nights. He's added a two-seamer that even just the first night as a Mariner, it was it, some of those balls were running two feet where, where he's throwing a ball up to the, to the glove side of the plate and it's running back across to his arm side. 
those are really intriguing things. He's 25 years old. There's four more years of control. And we feel like there's untapped upside with Tui. And we feel like there are things we can do in, with the combination of our pitching programs and maybe our sports science to enhance some of the attributes he has and, and really take him to a different level. And we'll find out if that's a possibility. Uh, the good thing with, with Sam is he's already experienced a good deal of major league success, and we think there's even more potential there. And he seems like a really good guy in my really conversation guy. with him. Good dude. Uh, and Zach, physical. I mean, this is a big He is a big, big guy. guy. You're right, man. Yeah. He is a big guy. And he and Marco were with each other in the minors all the way up to AAA. Those guys seemed like uh, they were pr- pretty tight. So, And Sam mentioned how kind of quickly that helped him, made, made him feel comfortable here in Seattle. And I uh, spent some time with some other guys, as we've already talked about. Leak, another one. So um, he seems like he's uh, in a good spot. And he's a West Coast guy. And uh, as much as he enjoyed pitching in a good baseball town in St. Louis, he made it sound like coming back closer to home was a big deal to him. Really big deal. And, you know, you could throw Juan Nicasio as another teammate sure. in there. And, and and he grew up, you know, a couple of years younger, but he grew up playing against Mitch Hanniger. And, and uh, they work out at the same facility in the really? off season. And, and it was not, it was not an unfamiliar thing for him to walk into our clubhouse. He saw faces that he knew. And how about Zach Duke? You mentioned you had some uh, previous experience with him in Arizona. Yeah. You know, some, some years back with the pirates, Zach was an all-star. He's, he transitioned to a, a reliever right about that time, 2011 with the diamondbacks and recreated himself so many different times. Uh, Zach is the, the epitome of a baseball survivor. He, he's had a long career uh, in many ways, even though he was an all-star starter, his performance as a left-hand or left-on-left reliever has been the, the highlight of his career. He's been outstanding in that role at virtually every stop, whether it was early on in Milwaukee, it was the White Sox, it was the Cardinals, now with the Mariners in between the Twins. Uh, the, he's, he has he has motored through a lot of different cities, like oftentimes lefty relievers will. And along the way, he's built up quite a cachet of, of history against left-hand hitters. And, and that during a playoff race, that is very handy to have around. <laughs> and, uh, and Zach, is he knows how it goes. He, he knows himself. He knows how to prepare. He brings professionalism to our bullpen. And we don't have to wonder how he's going to handle big situations. Uh, he's just going to do it. I, you could have bet. I would have bet you a lot of things that uh, his first his first night as a Mariner, one of them would not be that he was going to surrender a home run to a left hand hitter. But uh, I'm I'm very confident in what Zach brings to the table and that he makes us a better team. The second time he's done that since 2016, which is phenomenal. A, there's I turned around almost. It was a three to two ball game, and I turned around and I looked at the the rest of the front office guys who were sitting with me up in the booth. And, uh, and I turned around as soon as the ball left the bat, and I said, I wouldn't have bet on that one <laughs> because it was very clear that, that Reddick got, got it. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, that's not Zach's game. He puts the ball on the ground. He limits hard contact. He's very reliable in what you ask him to do. And he's versatile enough with the, the arm angle changes and, and a willingness to go out and create pitches on the fly, so to speak. And, you know, we asked him to pitch shortly after getting off a, a flight that – just hours after learning he was traded. So it's, a, it's, it's not unexpected that he would have a bump in the road, but then I could say the same about the other guys. Hopefully that this is his time to take off now. It kind of seems as though if Brian Cashman hasn't built this super bullpen in New York, there's no way that Adam Warren is leaving the Bronx. I mean, this seems like a really big get on your part, Jerry. Yeah, Adam, for many reasons, not the least of which is we really didn't think that we were – able to access starting pitching upgrades for us or where that would naturally fit on our staff, especially with Erasmo on his way back. But Adam Warren brings us the the talent to go pitch in a setup role, the strikeout rate to miss bats at, at critical times in games, or the ability to stretch out for you know two innings or more and really eat up the the middle innings in a game in a close game which I think as we are trying to manage innings with some of our starting pitchers, as we get into you know, the heart of a playoff race with you know, 54 games to go in a sprint, when you are in those situations, having guys like Tui Viala, who's multi-inning capable, like Adam Warren, who's tested and multi-inning capable, and ultimately bringing back at some point Jason Bradford and adding them to the group that we have down there, that's a big deal to us. And 
you know, Adam, I, I think the, the, mo the most complimentary thing, other than hearing anything from this is the best guy I've ever met, <laughs> which I, it was one, one opinion we, we got on Adam Warren, uh, who played with Kyle Seeger at UNC, who, who played with David Phelps in the Yankees system uh, during Phelps' time there. You know, we know Adam Warren without having known him. But bringing him over here, the, the nicest thing I think a player could say about him is when we were sitting down with Jason Bradford the night before last to, and telling them that he was going to wind up back in Tacoma, Jason Bradford has done a great job for us. And he's having an excellent major league season and is about as good a guy as you're ever going to meet. He's, uh, he's down the middle. He is as honest as they come. He's focused and is a good person. And when we brought this to him, he said, he said I get it. Adam Warren's really good, uh, and he's done this for for playoff type teams. I, you know, I'll do I'll do what I'm asked to do. I'm good, and that's not the that's not common for for major leaguers to react that way. First, I think it's a great representation of what Jason Bradford's about, but I think it's a compliment to how Aaron Adam Warren is is viewed by his peers in the league. Very well respected guy. Cameron Maben, former first round draft pick, who's been in the big leagues for over a decade, won a World Series last season, was an August claim by uh, Luno and the Astros. When the Astros were in town, of course, Maben makes his major league debut, or his Mariners debut, rather, against his former team. Uh, Steve Sparks, who is an analyst on radio for the Astros and a guy we, we really like a lot for a lot of reasons. He's hysterical, for one thing. He was very serious, and he said that Cameron Maben is one of the top three guys he's met in this game. A wonderful husband, a terrific father, and has been a, a very serviceable player as well. And that was pretty high praise, I thought. Top three guy for Cameron Maben? High praise, high praise. I, I, I think, you know, Cam Maben, more than any of the others, because his history in the game is so long, and he has played other places, still a young guy. He, he got to the big league so young, you don't realize. He was like 20, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a 20-year-old big leaguer. And, you know, even now, in, in, his, in his young 30s, I think Cam is 31 years old, and still super athletic. He's... he's approaching 200-ish stolen bases in his career. He plays above-average defense in center field. He, and he really changes the energy of the team. I also think one of the things that gets lost in the weeds with Cam, and he's done this for most of his career, he, he like Denard Spand, knows how to grind and at bat. And, uh, and we saw it yesterday. He gives you a professional A-B and, and really knows how to augment his hitting tool with the ability to get on base just draw on a walk. And when you're facing playoff quality rotations, and let, to, let's face it, August, we are facing nothing but th those types of teams. Having Cam Maben on hand is really valuable to us. And it also reduces the exposure of Guillermo Redia because we, we put Guillermo in a tough spot. And we knew it was happening when, when all this came to pass. And I know there's a lot of fervor over Guillermo being sent to the minor leagues when, when we – opted to keep Ichiro, et cetera. You feel, you feel fervor? Uh, you can feel Some that? fervor, yeah. I, I felt some fervor on that one. But but in in this case, we we have always believed that Guillermo, there, that there's a, a point that you can push Guillermo to in terms of regular play. Not that he's less capable versus one-sided pitcher than the other, the righty versus the lefty, so to speak, but the days on, on his feet, covering all that ground in center field day after day after day, really takes its beating on a player and and we felt like we were pushing Guillermo which is too hard and you know moving him into more of a fourth outfielder's position I think will enhance his productivity uh, I believe that will help Denard Spann who's been excellent for us and hopefully Cam can stay on the hot streak he's been on in July because he's been phenomenal uh, since the, really since the end of June he's been uh, has thrown up something like a 145 weighted runs created plus 340 batting average, getting on base like crazy, and and we've seen his stolen base totals ramp up, and you know that was that was not uh, unappealing as we were looking for the right upgrade in center field. With the fervor that you mentioned, now that you have Span and Heredia as a bench guy, how much will there be of a platoon between Span and Heredia? Can you? Put a percentage on the playing time for those two guys? Yeah, I think, like you saw yesterday, I think Guillermo is still going to get his opportunity to play when we see left-hand pitching. I don't anticipate a lot of starts, uh, at least in left field versus righties. That's going to be Denard's place more often than not. And we don't want to kill Cam Maven out there either. So, you know, Guillermo will slide into center field and, and take a day so that, that Cam's not wearing it. 
And I do envision some opportunity after Robinson Cano returns, some opportunity for D. Gordon to perhaps take a day in center field where both guys get off. Uh, and, you know, I can't imagine there's going to be too many of those, but uh, it is a possibility. And, and that kind of flexibility and athleticism with those players really makes it so much easier to navigate a roster or easier to build a lineup that helps. We also feel that one of the things that we've stressed over the last two years, you know, three years really, but two years where I think it was, it was the, the basis of what we were doing is that outfield defense. And this year, because we were playing guys into the ground, so to speak, we really backed up. You know, we last year I thought we were exceptional in regard to outfield defense. This year we haven't been quite as good, and we feel like now we're more stable in that way. And and Cam can stabilize center field, allowing Guillermo and, and Denard to play what we think is a well above average left field between the two, and Mitch to do the things that Mitch does in right. How do you judge that, the outfield defense? How much of that is the eye test? How much of that is internal analytics what's the combination a little bit of both you know mostly it's the old eyeball uh, you know it, because small sample size with defensive metrics is a little bit dangerous a game to play and even one season of defensive metrics is is a little bit dangerous to sort through in that there's some noise in there that we're always cognizant of and we do look at the raw i guess element or data that comes back from StatCast. And we try to use that as a, you know, whether it be, whether it be foot speed, you know, the, the ground speed, what kind of area are they covering, the top speed of the, of the runner? Are they backing up? Are they running as well as they did before? Some of those, we'll call it raw tools. If they're doing the things that they always do, there's really no reason that the defense should, should suffer. But all so often you see, like this year, Cam Maven has been a significant plus when playing center field, maybe a little less so when asked to play on a corner. Cam's always been an excellent center fielder. There's a, and, and some of it is when he's so long, his body is long and athletic, much like you and Steph Curry. Thank you. I didn't <laughs> uh, want to bring that up, but yeah, I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's, it's, it's clear. He's a very long-legged athletic guy. It, it takes a little bit more room, you know, space for him to get open up running, and center field provides that space. There's a little less of it on the corners, so you don't see as big an impact when he has less room to open it up. And, uh, you know, we, are, we believe that this combination of outfielders helps. Some of the, the data provided by StatCast and that we sort through with our analytics group in-house and some of the just our, our naked eye is telling us that. Guillermo Heredia takes big dings this year on center field defense. We're not seeing big dings. You know, it, it just doesn't show up to your naked eye. But that we also believe that while he is above average in center field, we think he is exceptional in left field. That when he plays left field, there's few in the game that we feel are better. And when he slides over to center, we're pushing him into an area where there's just more ground to cover. Let's go back a couple of nights. James Paxton, Jerry, had not pitched in 18 days. Off the disabled list, lower back issue prior to that. He grows a mustache, Jerry. He, he looks like Mr. Baseball, and he is just <laughs> lights out. I mean, how impressed or surprised were you by just the stuff that James had after such a long layoff? I was ready to promote the 18-man rotation. Uh, <laughs> it was that good. Uh, Mr. Baseball is I'm, – I'm writing that one down, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it in my, my copper for a while. That's a good one. Pax was about as good as we've seen him truly since May, you know, and, you know, he had the, the outing against Oakland, the no-hitter against Toronto, and, and this one against the Astros really stand out as maybe the three most dominant outings he's had. He had another one against the Astros that was sprinkled in there as well. Um, so many big outings for him through the course of the year, but I don't know that anyone was more impressive than, than this one. I, and I, I can't tell you how relieved I was when the first couple of pitches of the game were 96 and 95. When James is, is going to dominate, that's usually what you see right out of the shoot. Sometimes he works his way into his velocity, and, and, and it takes him two, three innings to get going and, and really dial in. This one, he just came out like it was uh, – he was in, in midseason form, so to speak, from the first pitch of the game. and the combination of overpowering stuff and excellent command and pitch efficiency. Uh, we, we could not in our wildest dreams have expected after that kind of layoff for him to give us an efficient seven innings, but he, he did it. He dominated a really good team. 
He was ripping curveballs, Jerry, at 85 miles an hour. I don't think I've ever seen James throw that pitch like he did last night. Am I off there? Have you seen that before? No, I'm pretty sure it was the mustache. <laughs> I, I, there's there's no other explanation. Now, nobody works harder than, than Pax does and, and prepares better. And I think when you give people who are as dialed in on ways to get better and and things to focus on, when you give them – three weeks roughly, to, to focus on how to prepare for X, whether it's facing the Houston Astros or just pitching seven innings. James James is intelligent. He's prepared. He's looking through a, a different lens when he knows he's not pitching in five days, and, and he can really focus on those things. So I'm not shocked that he found something with, with his breaking ball, some, whether it be release point, that created a, a tighter, harder spin. Uh, and his fastball was jumping too. It really so, was. Uh, it, it was clear that the the rest did him some good, and and I'm hoping that we are we are able to as a team provide the rest of the guys with a similar rest somewhere along the way. But it, it, at some point, we, we have to start scoring runs to make that more realistic thought. We'll touch on the offense in just a moment. Felix starts game one tonight against the Blue Jays. It's been a struggle recently for Felix. Uh, his ERA is at a point where he has not seen it before in his career. What are the hopes for Felix in your eyes tonight in particular, but also moving forward? You know, it's a, Felix has had good outings this year and, and good outings over the last two years. He's He's not been consistent in the ability to deliver those. And uh, I'm hoping tonight, I mean, if I'm asked – what is my hope? My hope is that he rips off seven quality innings because we've seen him do that and and do the things that he does without the gaudy velocity, without the, the crazy strikeout numbers. He, he can go out there and be a very effective major league starting pitcher. And right now we've seen less consistency with that than we need to see. And, you know, and that's just being frank. We're in a playoff race, and every win matters, and, and Felix knows that, and, and he understands where he's fallen short in, in recent weeks or, or months, so to speak. And the last one was a tough one for him in Anaheim. You know, I think personally it was a tough one for him. I, I can tell you because I have had my butt kicked on a major league mound. It's not comfortable when you're out there, and and especially when you are when you are Felix Hernandez. And you know, we're, we're here to support him. We have ridden him for better than a decade. And he has he has always been relied on to take the ball every fifth day. And we're relying on him to take it today. But we have to be fair to ourselves and this team and just take it day by day and assess. And we're going to give him every chance to, to grab it and run with it. And I want him to do it because we're a better team when he's good. But, you know, we have to we have to help him along, but we also have to assess it fairly. You referenced the offense. It's been in a little bit of a lull since before the All-Star break. Uh, Cameron Maven comes over in part to help that out as an ingredient. Uh, but it's obviously much more than that. Uh, what is it that you are seeing that you want to see corrected more than anything else when it, in terms of just simply scoring runs? Yeah, the runs are, 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 I guess, the result of a process. And our process just hasn't been very good. You know, the, the at-bats have been less patient. Uh, we've we've and it's it's been going on for quite some time. It's been about a month, and and usually hitting is a contagious thing, and we've shown that this year at times where we've had you know six hitters in the lineup who are scorching hot at the same time, and then like any team would be really fun to watch. We just happen to find the lull in the season, and every season is going to have one. We found the lull in the season where we had six hitters who are just ice cold. And, you know, we're not, we're not struggling to score runs because the bottom of our lineup is not productive uh, it, or that it's not long enough. It's that generally we've, we've we got cold in the middle. And those guys have long enough track records and enough history and they're talented enough that it will eventually turn for us. And, you know, I, I've said this internally. We're not going to – we just had a 9-12 and 12 month of – July, I believe. I, we're we're a better team than that. I, I and I don't know if that means we we go we win you know twelve of our next twenty three or or we get back on the the sixty percent win clip that we were on up until this last little stretch. 
but we're a better team than we've played. And like we have been hot and we cooled off and we will get hot again. I think there's a part of this with our offense that intrigues me because we were so hot for so long and our offense was rolling along and, and a, we were fun to watch and D was on base and stealing bases and Gene was hitting 330 and spraying it around the field and Nelson gets in those power grooves where he hits 10 in a month and it's fun to watch. Right now we're not in that groove. Uh, what what encourages me is that we have 54 games left. We are going to get in that groove again and hopefully that means we're cresting at the right time. Because there's, you're not going to stay hot for four months. <laughs> and, you know, fortunately, we were hot for long enough to put ourselves in this position. And now we're going to have to pick up and recover because the team in back of us has been smoking hot for the last two months. And, you know, my guess is that they will cool off. And, and hopefully we heat up as they cool off. Well, the A's actually lost a series somewhat recently. They were swept in Colorado. Uh, when you have seen either highlights of the A's or if you've caught part of their broadcast, what is it about that team that you're seeing that has made them uh, become one of the, really the hottest team in the American League? Uh, the hottest team. It's one of the best 40-game stretches in, in their history. And, and they've had some remarkably good 40-game stretches, and this is one of them. I, I think for, they were on a, about an 80% win clip for a month before they went into Colorado. So uh, remarkable performance. Momentum is the, is the answer to the question. If you recall, I think we went on a, a stretch where we were we won 20 out of 25 and and uh, and really created separation between ourselves and the Angels in a in, in the the playoff race, so to speak. And and we were keeping pace with Houston, and at that time we actually moved into first place. Uh, we dropped we dropped into more of a cold spell and and started playing closer to 500ish type ball while we were struggling to score runs. And when we were doing that. I think whatever vitamins we were taking, the A's found <laughs> walking out of the clubhouse. And, and they have had remarkable offensive contribution. And like I said with process, if you watch the A's right now, and this is uh, – it's they're A, they're a very talented group. They have a good young nucleus of young offensive player. Uh, you know, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. There's there, there's guys all over the field, athletic players. Scotty started to really swing yeah, it now. Really has. You know, Chris Davis has always been steady. Jed Lowry's as tough and out as it gets. Jonathan Lucroy doesn't strike out. He puts it in play. You know, there's a lot of elements to their team that work. But if you go watch them right now, it's a dynamic back of the bullpen, a lot like ours, frankly. Trinan is having a remarkable year. Lou Trevino has been a revelation, and they just picked up Jerry's Familia. You know, Yusmero Petit, Emilio Pagan, Ryan Buckter. They've got a very good bullpen combined with, I don't remember the last time I was watching even a highlight, but but A's games, because we'll throw games on TV and uh, watching A's games where they chase even a pitch during the course of a game. They have isolated the strike zone so well in recent weeks. They're just not chasing, and it doesn't matter who's pitching. They're seeing the ball well, they're making good swing decisions, and they're getting great results. Is Matt Chapman the best defensive player, if not in the American League, in all the majors? Probably. Uh, and I, I, He's certainly on the short list. He's certainly on the short list. I can't think off the top of my head in the American League who's better defensively. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. I think is remarkable in center field with Boston. Matt Chapman, I, that's the the elite. Uh, he is some kind of defensive player. He's got a hose. It is about as accurate as it gets. And whatever he gives you offensively, and there's certainly offensive contribution, is a bonus because it's it is truly eighty grade defense. He's awesome over there. The uh, people at Sabre put out their defensive ratings. Uh, I guess at this point, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. And they have 25% vote in the Gold Glove Awards. And in terms of not position, but just best defensive players regardless of position, it was Chapman and then everybody else. Like, like It wasn't close. I mean, it seems like you're right with Bradley, but it seems like a platinum glove could certainly be going his way in Oakland. Are you ready for Stump, J.D.? Only if you're There's ready no... to give me a softball. Yeah. <laughs> there is no way to prepare for Stump, J.D. Uh, we will uh, stick in line with our uh, Hall of Fame questions i feel like this is a fairly straightforward uh gimme and to put pressure on you randy adamack the great randy adamack who just recently celebrated 40 years 40 years of service with the ball club i mean he's been here for like every year but one that it's remarkable it's insane Uh, you know every every employee of the mariners has an employee number right right there's 
Have we have we asked Randy Adamek what his number is? Because it's in order of your of hiring your start date. Well, let's put it this way: mine is uh, eight thousand and change. So I feel like he's a uh, O'Keefe. What do you have? I got ten thousand two hundred and eighty. Well, I can't believe that a thousand people, two thousand people uh, hired between you and me. But maybe it's possible. It's possible. I only know this because it gets you uh, half off when you work at the game. So they ask you for your employee number and go yeah, get a little salmon no, sandwich. Exactly. Din Tai Fung. It's not cheap. I, when, you I, eat, when you eat it every day. <laughs> I had it yesterday. Uh, I believe Randy's number is like 30. I, mean, it's, I can believe it. it is, it's a low number. He's had a great run with the Mariners and, and a super guy. We share a salad dressing. Huh? True story. Yeah. I, I, during the lunch hour, uh-huh. I, I tend to have a salad with some type of protein. Tuna, egg salad. It's, it's the way I get through my day. And we have a community salad dressing that is shared between... Me and Randy Adamac. Really? Uh, it's like this so what, like you buy the bottle this week, and then when it runs dry, he brings in the bottle? It's mostly he buys the bottle, and I poach it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tell him, oh, I've got, the, I got it at home. I keep forgetting to bring it. But, but I actually do. I have it at home, and I'm, I'm bringing it tomorrow. So what's the salad dressing? Uh, it's like this garlic. It, it, it's garlic, olive oil, season. It's pretty light. you know. Okay. And locale? Mostly locale, but uh, very flavorful. I was wondering if this was ever going to come up on the podcast, oddly. Because, yeah, you go to... It's do you know immediate. about the salad dressing? I, I only know because you go down... Well, it's during normal hours. So if you work here during the day, you go down for lunch. They have the fridges open that have the Gatorade and everything like right. that. And there, up in the top right, it's a little salad dressing bottle that says DePoto. That's, That's really? Right. Yeah. It but is, if the, does it say Adamac on it? It might on the other side. I've only the, seen the DePoto no, side. The, the, the DePoto dressing. So because I was poaching Randy's dressing all the time, because I like it, and, and, <laughs> and I can... I the, the the he brought me my own bottle <laughs> with a piece of masking tape that had my name on it, and I thought it was I thought it was quirky enough that I, all right I always want to have the masking tape with my own name on the salad. It's a power dressing. move right there. It's I like a, it. Just so you know, you can grab that Sobe or that their Gatorade, but don't be touching this garlic <laughs> dressing. Well, we bring up uh, we bring up Randy because Randy got this question. I asked him, and he got it like immediately. O'Keefe, on the other hand, it would have taken him days. So I ask you, which position is least represented in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Third base. You got to even, what do you think? Is that faster than Randy? I think it's a half second faster than Randy. I think it was faster than Randy, which is very impressive. There's a, it's, it is remarkable that how many great third basemen have played over the course of time. And, and, for whatever reason, the, the 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 careers are just shorter. The, the, is that the, what it is? Yeah, the bursts. Because there are some Hall of Famers in there. If you go through, and this is not every Hall of Famer is a great player on their own level, a great player. But some of the 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 Hall of Famers that generate the most controversial discussions as to whether they belong on the the Hall of Fame tier are third baseman, and it's it's already the least represented position in the Hall of Fame. So it's a it's. It's a remarkably underfunded position, despite the fact that there have been great players that, that have had awesome careers and never quite get in. And I think some of it is that third base is a, it's a, it's an unusual position and that you're asking that a player have the defensive ability to play the left side of the infield, which requires quick reaction, athletic ability, and, and accurate plus throwing arms. You can't do it very well unless you have those three things. And for so many years, the profile was, oh, no, by the way, you got to hit homers. And we don't tend to, to value, as a Hall of Fame community, we don't tend to value those who hit homers without having another part of their skill set. High average in homers, you get in the Hall of Fame. You know, high average on base and, and homers, you get in the inner circle of the Hall of Fame. But the more often than not, with the third baseman of, of your, you were either an awesome defender and hit for an average, very limited power, or played defense, hit for power, and didn't have a lot else that you were bringing to the table. So there were like these juxtapositions. And now, right in today's game, I think there are more well-rounded and outstanding third basemen playing today than any other era in baseball history. It's remarkable, the talent at third base right now. Chipper was only the 17th third baseman to go into Cooperstown. Catcher, there's only 18 catchers in the hall. Now, for comparison, now pitchers, right? There's like 80 pitchers, right? So we won't count that. Uh, but shortstop and right field, the highest voted 
position among position players, 25. I mean, there are 23 managers. There are 17 third basemen. There are 10 umpires. There are 10 umpires. There are 17 third basemen. And for the umpire, I feel like you just have to be around like forever and you get in the Hall of Fame. And that's not a knock on umpires. But I mean, <laughs> but it I mean, God, I mean <laughs> it's not a knock, I mean, but it really is. Yeah. I mean, like Joe West will be in the Hall of Fame, right? Because Joe West has been an umpire for like over half of major league commissioners all time. Like he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he sings. He has his own, he has his own CDs. Now that I did not know. Oh. I have to look into that. I'm here to tell you, yeah. The singing cowboy, Joe West. Do you feel good about yourself for nailing this week's Stump JD? Uh, no, I do feel like that one was kind of a softball. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I can't, okay. I, I can't win here, Jerry. I either destroy you or I, <laughs> or I give you a cupcake. I, the thing. I have to find the middle ground. You just described my baseball career. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to some listener questions. Oh, these are fun. Both of them are great. Uh, John in Seattle now, I feel like this, Jerry, you kind of are guilty by association here. Uh, John wants to know, what is your favorite post-game meal, both drive through and non-drive-thru categories? Post-game meal? Now, I will say, like, in, in I don't want to, I'm not holier than thou here. I don't eat after the game. You never eat after a game? No, I don't eat after the game. Because I eat the... I'm trying not to get fat. I'm just gonna say it like I'm thinking it. Yeah, you know, there's. I, uh, now that's a shot fired at me right now. I'm, yeah, <laughs> there, there comes a certain hour of the of the day that I that I just don't feel great about taking in a meat a full meal. Yeah, you know, I'll have a little trail mix or something like that post game. Pretzel nuggets. I'll share them with my English bulldog who loves when I come home and and start crinkling the bag. But uh, but no real full blown meal post game day game. Yeah, sure. Uh, oh yeah. And then similarly, I'm really not prone to the drive-through. Yeah, I know you're holding yeah. it now. I get yeah. it. So it's a, but but I I, I a will slobs stop over here. Cheese are ready to crunch, please, with steak. By the way, it's worth the ninety cents. There's Taco Bell. Yeah, ring that bell. Come on. Yeah, think outside I, the, the button. There's that. I don't. I don't. There, that, that's. I I'll, I I don't. This really question went exactly as I thought. I was excited by it, and you know. Yeah, I'm poo-pooing yeah, it. Yeah, nice pretzels. Uh, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew, Jerry, I did not know about th- this about you. Uh, a fine author and a West Point grad, which needs to be pointed out, uh, Kevin Keating uh, wrote a book all about baseball autographs. He's apparently uh, like one of the main authenticators uh, for uh, all the uh, – I'm forgetting the uh, the acronyms, but all, all the companies that actually say, yes, that's a Ted Williams autograph. Correct. I mean, he's one of those guys, which is amazing. Uh, so he wrote a book all about autographs. And, Jerry, he interviewed you in this book. Yeah, it didn't only interview me. Actually, a, a chapter in his book was, was written. About your out. collection. Yeah, uh, and, and about just our kind of relationship. I, I've known Kevin for 25 years, one of the closest friends I've had. He tells the story of how we met. Uh, and uh, just a great guy. I call him the Renaissance Man. As a West Point grad, an Army Ranger, he's had a really – unbelievable life and it's incredible yeah he was here a couple of months ago for my 50th birthday celebration actually brought me a baseball autograph he he brought me the original sporting news from the day i was born in 1968 uh which was celebrating uh mickey lolich as the 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 1968 world series mvp uh so i take the back not the day i was born but the year i was born uh an original 1968 Sporting News with Mickey Lolich, World Series MVP, and then had Mickey Lolich write a message to me on the on the front of it and sign it off. I'm since having it framed. It's a it's a great piece, and then we we took a picture of it and called Mickey Lolich. Uh, what while we were while we were sitting at my house celebrating the birthday with my closest. Your friends, friends. are way better than my friends. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic guy, super interesting, and uh, and. I will say he has had such a unique odyssey through not just what he's done in baseball, but but in in terms of his his life in general. Well, the book is uh, waiting for a sign for those who want to read it, and this has to be on our, our very near to read list. Uh, but back to the question, Andrew wants to know, Jerry, if you have ever been turned down for an autograph. Yes, I have been turned down on two occasions uh, over, through the course of my baseball life. One, I was a very young player playing for the Cleveland Indians, and we were at Yankee Stadium to, to play the Yankees, and Joe DiMaggio was there. And uh, and I thought, that's, that's Joe DiMaggio. At the time, maybe perhaps the greatest living player in baseball. 
And uh, I waited until he was standing alone, which is rarity because he usually had a, a posse of people around him. And, and I went over and I asked him. I'm, I was in my uniform, and I, and I thought, all right, this can't possibly like, like go really bad. And I went over and I asked. I said, Mr. DiMaggio, can I bother you to sign a baseball for me? And uh, he, said, he said, no, I'm sorry, son, I can't do that. I've, I've signed a contract that, uh, uh, that precludes me from doing it. Turned around and walked away. And, I thought, and, I, and at first, I thought it was a joke. And then I, you know, he actually did. He had an exclusivity contract or agreement uh, to, for only signing autographs for a certain company so to, to effectively enhance the value of everything he signed. And, and he was the very first to ever enter into such an agreement was Joe DiMaggio. You know, meanwhile, you could, I mean, whether it was Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays, whatever you want, you know, they'll not only sign the autograph, but tell you stories about about kind of their time and what they did. And so many of the players of that era that, you know, that the, the golden age of baseball, the 50s, who were still frequenting ballparks when I was first coming up to the big leagues. You got a chance to sit and meet those guys and talk to them and the stories they tell and and uh, and, and I, a lot of the memorabilia that I still keep and 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 I guess show you know exhibit is from that group of players who I thought were they were awesome to get to know and they were and every time one of them passes away you feel like you just lost something in life because there's not that many of them left and and those guys really changed the way we all felt about baseball and and I think that's that's a, it's something we'll miss when they're all gone well, we wrap things up by uh, going around the horn a little bit. Blue Jays, of course, in town tonight for a four-game series that takes us through Sunday. A long road trip for the Mariners coming up. Houston, uh, Texas before that, Arlington, that is, and then onto the Bay Area against the Red Hot A's. Uh, we will have a Friday sing-along fireworks night presented by T-Mobile when the Mariners return home. It'll be a mid-August series against the Los Angeles Dodgers, only their third ever trip to Safeco Field, which is kind of interesting. And how about this, Jerry? Uh, our second annual Celebrating Women's Night at the ballpark, mariners.com slash women. Uh, Meg Rally will be moderating once again. Angie Mintink will be speaking. Uh, Dr. Lorena Martin. Uh, Matt Hopkins, uh, only female full-time scout in the game. And uh, how about Leslie Manning, uh, somebody who you just spoke very highly of in the recent Sports Illustrated article? Yeah, Leslie's Leslie's a stud. She she does so much for our organization in opening up lines of communication uh, from staff to player, from player to staff. Uh, and I think the the kindest thing I can say about Leslie is she makes us each a better version of ourselves. And 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 I the the roles that she performs or the duties she performs in the organization are, are go anywhere from kind of onboarding, educating, and enhancing the, the Latin American player as they enter our system. Uh, just a, 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 an assimilation program for those Latin American players that enter through the DSL Academy. She spends a good deal of her time down there. And every single staff member from the, the, the DSL rookie levels to the major league club, Leslie is, is constantly working with them on professional development. And, and again, becoming better communicators and, and working with those players in, in authentic ways. And, and it's made us a better organization having her around, I'll say that. Well, that'll be a great panel. Again, that's on Tuesday, August 21st, mariners.com slash women. And uh, the homestand will wrap up August 22nd, a uh, little league day at the ballpark. Uh, a little day, ba- I, I beg your pardon, it'll be uh, some day baseball on Wednesday, August 22nd, a uh, 110 first pitch, another midweek uh, Mariners matinee. Jerry, this has been a fun one. Congrats on... Uh, Hitting my softball out of the ballpark on Stump JD. And uh, thanks for all the time as always, man. Have fun, as always. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 